0: The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some
1: listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised.
2: The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at Ooh,
1: Welcome!
2: To the three-down Greencast, you are listening to the Internet's only Fraser Curse Origin <laughs> Story Podcast. <laughs> I'm Joel Gasson I... with John Fraser as usual. Um, Plenty to talk about this week as uh, the writers found yet another way to lose to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, yes, so we they will, did. We will discuss that and kind of what led to that loss <laughs> and uh, how basically their entire season now may boil down to a game this Friday night against the Hamilton TyCats. Um, before we get to all this, though, during our sort of hiatus over the bye week, we've kind of come to some conclusions. We've connected some dots in relation to the Fraser curse, both they in terms, me, of, they, in, both in terms of Johnny where...
0: Caruso at work. So I feel like this is just an extension of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Not only in terms of what it may mean for who may win the Great Cup this year. We'll get to that in a second. But John and I were having a conversation like we often do outside of this podcast realm. And I think we may have stumbled upon where the Fraser curse was born, sort of its (laughs) origin story, and what led to its creation. And now potentially, we believe, its growth in the last year or so to be so strong that John can't even control it anymore. Yeah, because long-time <laughs> listeners of this pod, so to fill
0: people in, the Fraser curse has essentially meant that anything I pick to happen, the opposite happens. Well, mm-hmm. me being the Blue Bombers fan, I am, used the powers of the curse to break the Grey Cup drought. I simply picked against every team Winnipeg was playing back at the 20, 000, uh, 2019 playoffs. <sighs> and it worked. And normally it works, but this year, as the season has gone on, the power of the curse draws more and more powerful. And it's actually kind of scary. And I had a person imitate me on Twitter. And it's we strange. are led to believe that might have actually been the curse just being personified with, like, the worst parts of me.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like yes. that
0: one episode of Rick and Morty where their worst <laughs> selves come out.
2: Yes, um, you, you showed me the screenshot of, for some reason, the message it sent to you. Oh no!
0: This is one of my coworkers. This oh. is my coworker Janice. That yeah. uh, she texted me, and 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 then I saw her at work, and she's like, "Yeah, I kind of knew it wasn't you with the was
1: that
0: <laughs> like the old Budweiser beer yeah, yeah. commercials, yeah. but yeah, it it was not good. But we did so. A the curse has grown all too powerful, and maybe by discovering its origin
1: mm-hmm. and
0: finding some way to like right the wrongs, maybe we can bring it, tame it. Because I feel like it means bad things for a lot of it. it's 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 like the action movie when we have the chance to stop it, and maybe we can come together and find a way to stop it based off
2: its origin story. We are essentially a true crime podcast now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it means I gotta talk a lot closer to the mic mm-hmm. and um I hear you hear my mouth noises true crime podcasts.
2: Anywho, um, you were telling me the story about, um, so we had been talking about, you know, all this rampant cheating that's been going on in weird competitions lately between, <laughs> like, fishing and chess and poker yes, and all these yes. things, because apparently cheating in, you know, regular sports isn't enough anymore. No. That I learned that you were a fairly serious chess player back in your youth. Uh,
0: yes, yes. So if And this, you this all
2: connects together eventually, don't worry.
0: It does. <laughs> we get to that point eventually. So... What sparked the conversation is, uh, it, like, I even heard this on the AM news on my way home, was there was this, this walleye fishing tournament that somebody had put, like, giant lead weights in the walleye, and they got found found it out, and it was almost like a, a, a mob situation. Like, I can't believe those guys made it out alive. So this led to you bringing up the weirdness of chess, where... Mm-hmm one of the best players in the world in fact the best chess player of all time by his elo ranking which is like how you rank chess players lost to an up-and-coming american and this controversy isn't quite as this was just kind of made up by like an offshoot wing of the chess community for the for the giggles saying well mm-hmm. the only way this guy could have beat magnus carlson is if he had vibrating anal beads in his ass telling him which moves to make And this is when I started going into the technical aspects of all this. And you're kind of (laughs) like, you seem to know a lot about this. And I say, yeah. Um, Back when I was, okay, this was pre-hockey. So I want to say like 11 or 12. I was, I want to say like the sixth or seventh ranked chess player in Northern Ontario. And you know they used to have these. Did they th- when you were in Ottawa? Did they have like chess tournament days for you in elementary school?
2: I mean, probably I never played, so but right. it may so it may what... have been a thing. I have no clue. I remember chess club. I think was a thing in middle school and high school. I don't particularly remember a whole lot about it in elementary school, though.
0: See, I gave up on the game because I was <clears throat> I was trying to get some in in high school. So, but mm. in elementary school you could get a day off of school to play in a chess tournament and so, like, everybody did, but the thing is, I ended up being really good at it like, my uncle had taught me how to play it, so I would quite often, like dominate in the Atticoken town, like, qualifier I guess, which then you got to go to Thunder Bay you Ooh. know, and you got to play Ooh. in the I know <laughs> <laughs> right, but <laughs> My, my family always made an event out of it, right? Uh, you know, we, we, we did okay, you know, back in the day. Like, like Dad worked real hard to, to give us everything he could, but there were certain things that were out of reach. So um, I guess you could say I probably grew up, you know, like most of us, middle-class family and definitely not rich. But uh, when you went to Thunder Bay, if you won in Thunder Bay, you then qualified for Nationals. And when you qualified for Nationals, they wouldn't, pay like travel expenses and it was always in toronto because center of the universe and all so i would freaking frequently do well enough in thunder bay to qualify for nationals but my folks always had to be like well hey like sorry um we just it's just not in the cars we just can't afford it and i understood as a child and we got to stay in a hotel in thunder bay and 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 got to play in a pool got to eat mary brown's chicken and it was all uh, it was all good, you know. But I never got to reach that full potential, my full chess potential, of playing in the national championship for tiny geeky
2: children. <laughs> and then so one that, day, the best... and then one day, naturally in Thunder Bay, you know, the glamorous destination that it is. Um, you did tell me there was a subway in the area,
1: yes, so yeah, yeah. you so, were already so globally...
2: in. You're already in sort of the iffy area that is Thunder Bay. You have been denied a trip to, you know, Nationals to, you know, for a shot at true glory.
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then you ate the lettuce at one point or another.
0: I'm certainly I did because actually I remember this and and these are some I have vivid memories of this because we always just go to the same hotel in Thunder Bay. And, you know, you'd go swimming, we'd have either Pizza Hut or Mary Brown's. some nights both, because we didn't have either in my small town, but lunch was always Subway, because it was at, like, uh, I can't remember if it was at the university or the college, but you just needed a quick, quick brain lunch between chess games, and I'm sure maybe that gave me an advantage with that lettuce festering in my stomach, <laughs> me just trying to find a quick way to... Defeat my opponent so I can run to the bathroom because you know it had the chess clocks and everything. Like you only had twenty minutes, you had to slap the clock thing before it was your next person's turn. So you don't didn't exactly have poop breaks back then. So yeah, I, so like the lettuce was rumbling in my guts and being digested or not digested <clears throat> when I had to be given the news on an annual basis that hey, um, we can't afford to go to nationals. But because this is your third year in a row qualifying for nationals, here's a Nintendo 64 and some Mary Brown's chicken. Yay! So it, you know, dealt the pain. But yeah, the the, the accursed subway was definitely inside my body. Every time I found a pizza sub with lettuce on it for some reason, I was a weird kid. <laughs> Don't ask me. And you're
2: such a well-adjusted normal adult too now.
0: Oh yeah, totally. A totally normal adult. So <laughs> So this is clearly where all my genius powers have gone and... Yeah, never never got a chance to read my full chess potential.
2: And now, and we believed that at that point, at one point or another, during one of these times where you were denied the chance to go to nationals, by no fault of your own. Be I mean, one thing had you lost and not gotten the chance to go, but the fact that you won and didn't get to go, just screams that somewhere in that sort of span, whether you knew it or not, the curse was born.
0: Well, absolutely, because there is now an alternate reality in which maybe I'm the one with the vibrating anal beads (laughs) up my ass playing Magnus Carlsen. Yes, well, never mind. I I, I mean, there's really nothing stopping me from doing the... The first part? Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, we don't know about the first part of that. <laughs> right, but, but the second part, I can tell you, I definitely have not had the opportunity to play Magnus Carlsen. Um, and no, am I anywhere near. I'm actually... Okay, so recently, as a, as a good little buzz, as a good little time kill, because it's really hard for for the bosses to kind of get mad at you for, like, playing chess during an off day at work... Uh, I just logged into my chess.com, and I have played 4,371 games of chess against other people online. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have won 2,100 of them, Mm -hmm. lost 2,137 times with 124 draws. So so there we go. Uh, I'm trying to relive my glory so I can be given the opportunity to sit on a Zoom call with vibrating beads in my butt. Telling me how to play chess. So uh Joel, I think you need to learn how to play chess so you can be the guy that does the communicating with the with the vibrating beads, because I don't think there's anybody else I'd trust. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oof, I don't know if we need to go down that road. <laughs>
0: and definitely that would be a no eating the lettuce situation <clears throat> well before that. So
2: No, you'd cr- get caught in an instant. You would oh. easily be caught, because I mean oh. that that ain't holding that in.
0: No. So. No, no.
2: Uh, unless no okay. oh, no no no. All right. You would need Too a plug. Far. <clears throat> that's true, but yeah. but this does relate to today <laughs> the curse being stronger than ever relates to today because also over the course of the bye week, I was sitting here thinking about, I don't even remember how it came to my mind
1: and I, I had the text to text you the one the day,
2: yeah. I had to text you the one day and I was like, I know who you phrase your curse to win the Grey Cup
0: <laughs> and, and were... I thought the same thing I'm like, who did I, come on, I haven't picked anybody to win the Grey Cup how can I freeze a curse anybody to win the Great Cup?
2: And this is how we know it's potentially gone too strong. And that's when I said to you, uh, this team started off slow.
1: Kind of gotten slow. better
2: as they've gotten on. Uh, mm-hmm. For a stretch of a few week period after they fired their head coach, you were constantly banging and shitting on all over their head new head coach slash general manager. Yes, yes, because he's an, And he's an they are on the verge of getting... Potentially and likely the best running back in the league, who is the key to their entire offense, back in time for the playoffs. Uh, they're fairly, they're playing fairly well lately. That is, of course, Montreal Alouettes.
0: It's funny that it was right there in front of us the entire <laughs> time, and and none of us put it together. Me being a Kakari defender, uh, and like again, this is one of the few things I have actual sources on talking about what a douchebag Machocha is, and uh, yeah, and I often said. I, you know, that's it. They're they're gonna go downhill. They're gonna finish last place in the East. And if we had like the dream sound effects, we could go back to that. Mm -hmm. Instead, the Fraser curse, and Bizarro never went to nationals. Never played Magnus Carlson Fraser, (sighs) who I think has just now become. It's now it's gone past a curse. It's an entity. It's like, it's like uh Stranger Things. It's like Vecna or something hiding in the shadows and the upside down controlling things. That's where chess champion John is. Um. But yeah, it uh I, I can't believe it took us this long to realize mm-hmm. that me openly saying that they're going to be a shitty team because of their coach and I hope it blows up has turned them into suddenly a contender. Although not if you're looking at the Great Cup odds put out <laughs> by the geniuses at CFL.com today.
2: Yeah, CFL.ca. Um yeah, those came out on Monday, of course, and they're they're interesting. They're We're a thing. Apparently Calgary, who is like who very well could finish third in the West. Uh, look, the best look, odds of winning? Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They have. They are technically, <clears throat> according to their own projection, so uh, you know how they always put out that, that odds thing? I don't know how yeah. they do it. Like, do they just create everybody in Madden and make them play, you know, like three-down rules? So the greatest odds to win, the 109th Grey Cup at 40-ish percent, is Calgary, followed by Winnipeg at 29, Toronto at 21, and the Montreal Alouettes at 5-3 and three quarters. But... They do not know the power of the Fraser curse. No. It's more like a 95% chance of the Montreal Alouettes are now going to win. But their math, like, and I, I, like, I do math for a living and I don't claim to be a mathematician, but they're claiming they have a 40% chance of winning the Grey Cup, but a 0% chance of winning the West, which means they'd have the variable of playing another game, likely against a good BC Lions team in BC or barring epic collapse in the last 3 games here, uh, a very good Blue Bombers team in Winnipeg.
2: Yeah, and it was uh, of course Bombers play-by-play voice Derek Taylor friend broke down in front of the program, broke down the math even further saying for those numbers to add up as it stands right now, the Calgary stampeders would have to be 75% favorites in all 3 of those games. <laughs>
1: it just doesn't... Which I mean
2: <laughs> I'm like I'm not saying the Calgary stampeders can't be a three seed and win the great cup. Mm. I think they're that good but they have the potential to do that. Absolutely. But at the very least against the Winnipeg blue bombers, they're not going to be 75% favorites. I can tell you that. No, at, at, <laughs> at, at, at best, that's a coin flip game.
0: Yeah. Like that is at best a coin flip. I will definitely pick Calgary in that game. Although for chess master Fraser, who's now the curse man, um, it'll all kind of be up to him. Um, It's also funny looking back. I'm up to the top of this, this article that is heavily flawed, but it actually gives Hamilton a better chance of making the playoffs than the Riders. Yeah. Which.
2: I mean, at this point, it's kind of hard to argue against.
0: <laughs> I know. And, and and this is if you want to see how power, how bad this Riders team has been. How many weeks have I been saying I would celebrate the chaos of the Riders missing the playoffs the year they're hosting the Great Cup? Yeah. The Fraser curse can't even lift them into the playoffs. It's doing everything it can. Maybe maybe that will be the moment that breaks it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It won't be like getting me into a chess match with things in my bum. <laughs> because that's the only other way to end it, I'm not real interested in doing that. The chess match, no problem. Anybody who wants to play me, slide into the DMs, we'll play anytime. Um, the other thing, not so much. No, maybe- so if I have enough boots.
2: Yeah. So, of course, we will talk about that upcoming game against Hamilton this week, as uh, the basically the season is probably on the line for both teams in that game. And, of course, we'll talk about the loss to the Bombers as well. But before we get into all of that, John, uh, for the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company,
0: what is in the glass this week? Knowing we were going to be talking childhood trauma, <laughs> I needed something strong. And there's nothing stronger, but yet not strong tasting? the pile of bones double white ipa we've had kind of a summery week it's not Mm -hmm. quite fall yet i'm not ready to break into the stash of rebellion ambers i have in my fridge right now but the double white ipa is honestly the most dangerous eight percent beer i've ever had in my life it it it, like you know my love of the Mm -hmm. white ipa yep the double white tastes better
2: yeah but it's almost... I, I, I like the double white is very good. I don't know if I would describe it as like the white IPA on steroids, but it is a very good double IPA. It just might oh. just—I think it's just weirdly named, but that's neither here nor there.
0: I know, but it—but mm. it's still kind of got that like that like light fruity citrusy undertone, which you don't normally get from a double IPA. Like it mm. balances, like the hot blast is so well balanced with like the citrusy white IPA tastes that it's just it's it's dangerously smooth and uh and best for talking about you know childhood disappointments well mixed with some nostalgia as
2: i burp up my mary browns i had for lunch <laughs> i'm honestly surprised you actually had some left since you sent to me a picture of that on friday i believe
0: yeah, yeah yeah and then i and then i ate a lot of food um and and had to switch to the old the old provincial vodka mm. uh because again i didn't want to get the sneezes or i'd be thrown out of my house
2: uh, for me, I am heading towards the end of a Nine Mile Legacy Brewing uh, variety pack that I bought a couple weeks ago. Ooh. Uh, so this one is uh, the Hybrid Vigor, which is like basically a German Marzen-style amber. You know, so pretty straightforward, malty, fairly refreshing, but not, uh, not super dark on the amber side just yet. Kind of a good, uh, it's technically fall, but not really fall weather yet type
0: beer dipping dipping your toes into it uh you know one thing that i've been uh, drinking
2: a lot more stouts lately too though so
0: well of course that's just that Mm. literally it's like that i can tell it's like the opposite of like groundhog day i can tell that fall has arrived when every time i talk to you you're talking about some stout that you're drinking and you know i'm all for you sharing your love of, of certain beers i'm not a stout guy myself but i know you you definitely – I think photography just kind of runs in your family because, A, your your wife, Jenny, is phenomenally talented at it. And then you still find a way to make stouts that I would never touch with a 100-foot pole look so, like, dreamy and delicious when you text
2: them to me. I mean, the beer speaks for itself, I guess. I don't know. The phone does all the work. I don't do anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's,
0: that's fair. You know, you, know, you know who wasn't doing anything on Sunday?
2: Or all the work. The Saskatchewan. Oh, DK Metcalf, we're going to oh. get into that first? Sure.
0: Uh, I, well, because you said that we, we had to discuss yeah. it because yeah. we need a lettuce update.
2: We do, and we have, yeah. of course, a lettuce update here right
0: da-da-da, now. Da-da-da,
2: da Lettuce update. On Sunday in the NFL, uh, there was a bit of a moment where Seattle Seahawks receiver DK Metcalf left the field on a cart, and everyone was mm-hmm. curious as to what happened to him. Turned out... um. He had to Roberto Longo it. He had to go. <laughs> and the best part of the story is not so much that he had to go, because, I mean, that happens. And of course, he took the right. cart, which is also just phenomenal. And right. It's because he said afterwards, yeah, the switch Walk wasn't going to make it.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm just trying to think of this. Like, could you imagine, like, I think your they prairie were dog white and that you got... day, too, weren't they? Was that? Were the Seahawks wearing white that day? I
2: feel like I they were. I think so. I yeah. think so. Um,
0: you just know sometimes that you're looking across that field to where the bathrooms are and thinking,
2: "I ain't gonna make it." So, uh, the cart the, that the, the from the sideline to some visitor locker rooms in NFL stadiums is pretty dang far. So, <laughs> uh,
0: let's see. I'm trying to see. Try. I'm trying to look it up from the game. Oh no, they had the they had the blue pants but the mm. white jersey. So. Nice. Right. I feel like if it was a real emergency, you know, any any dad that's that's changed a diaper or two uh, can can vouch that sometimes it goes all the way up the back, and I feel like they'd have extra pants, but probably not an extra jersey. So. Yeah, catching that cart was and, – and the funniest thing is, is is watching your Twitter feed go in like meltdown mode, especially mm-hmm. with all the fantasy football accounts and guys in my own leagues that are like, oh, my God, what's going on? Is he hurt? Nope. Taking a poop. Yeah. <laughs> See, I so,
2: yeah, so it, it led me to start thinking about the poop loop. Like there would be like if you're ever at the Calgary airport and there's those electric carts that take you around to the different parts of the terminal – we might are we gonna start seeing that on nfl stadiums or are they gonna put like an outhouse in the blue medical tent
0: or 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 (laughs) just put the moving sidewalk in see fans could use this too right like how many times have you gotten up like where you just you're at a game and most games it's 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 not the poop loop it's like the pee loop right Mm -hmm. you've had about 17 beers and you need to go and you don't want to miss any action so i feel like if you could get like those walking sidewalks you have, or like you said, the carts. Either way, find an efficient, high-energy way to get lots of people to pee at the same time and back to your game. This is this is why the trough was a brilliant thing. And I'm it mad is. they got rid of it. I'm sure it was unsanitary AF.
2: I don't know if it's completely gone. Last time I was at... Sorry, I'm still going to call it this because I don't know how to pronounce the new name. Last time I was at Heinz Field... Oh, okay. there's been times I've been at Heinz Field where there were washrooms with a trough still.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, the, the way your Steelers have been playing this year, you might need a trough to puke in huh, with how bad they've been. Uh, it was it was expected. I'm not really that beaten up about it. <laughs> As a guy that took Najee Harris in the first round, I am beaten up about
2: it. And well, was... I'm
0: sorry, I talked about my fantasy team. Yeah,
2: and no one cares. No. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, just like how fewer people are starting to care about the Saskatchewan Roughriders, it feels like. Oh yeah, um, yeah. As they found yet another way to lose to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. As about twenty-three minutes into this podcast, we finally get to the point. Um, <laughs> Is I that mean, a new I record? Mean, it might be. I mean, once we start talking about the same things almost every episode, we kind of I just try to we just try to kick it down the line a little bit, and so we talk about it less. So we just talk about other things that have nothing to do with anything. Like it. like like
0: poop and childhood <laughs> drama and uh, and booze, yeah. All, I mean, all I, I feel
2: like there is a core part of our listenership that expects nothing less from us at this point. So, and it's weird because our listenership is growing mm-hmm. the more mm-hmm. we do this. A little bit, yeah. I don't know if it's like a combination of like the riders being bad, so people have come to us, which tends to happen when they really suck. People, our numbers tend to go up a bit. But then I think they've liked to, you know, they enjoy listening to the train wreck as the two of us talk about nothing. So. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, we do. We do have
0: one five star review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> one, of our, one of my coworkers was like, "You have to do a podcast or something." I'm like, "I do. I've been doing one for like between this and the podcast that I used to. I've been podcasting for like a day. I've been podcasting mm-hmm. before podcasting was cool."
2: Um. So yeah, the writers. Mm. Oh boy. And like for the most part, and Brennan McGuire wrote the piece after the game. And it's, you know, fool me once kind of scenario. For the most part, the Riders didn't play that bad in that game. The first half was kind of blech. It felt like the Bombers were going to run it away at one point. But to the Riders' credit, they finally got some stops and held them in check for the longest time. And kind of blowed them into sleep maybe for a bit. And they had their shot. It was there. And this was the sort of, you know, the way I described it to you when we were talking about what we are going to talk about on this podcast last night. It was like it's like it was like, it was like a good wrestling match going on, and the riders and bombers were fighting on the top turnbuckle. The riders threw the bombers off onto the mat below, and then just stepped down instead of going for the frog splash to finish it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the that crowd was of course, sold.
2: yeah. They, the, the crowd was dead. Um, you know, they had all the momentum. They were playing really well. The offense, you know, had kind of been moving in that second half. Things were looking up. And then at the seven-yard line, Craig Dickinson decides to make a one-score game, a one-score game, and kicks a field goal to put them down four. And surely enough, right after that, because football is a sport of karma at times, two plays later, the Bombers were in the end zone and it was game over.
0: I've, I've spent the last few days since that game texting you, texting others, trying to figure out a single reason to justify what Craig Dickinson did.
2: Oh, it's just the old school take the points that's that's but, probably but, what but most, the, that's the, probably what most people think I don't know it's not right but he, but, but
0: he's not an old school coach. He's the no. kind of coach that thinks that you know as you say like all jokes aside, one of the dumbest times to kick a field goal is to keep
2: it a one score game yeah like if like, it was if it was a ten point game or if the game was tied right I still wouldn't like it, but I could understand.
0: Right, or if, or if you have a chance to tie the game, anything yeah. like that. I get it. It makes sense. But to do it at a point <clears throat> where you're down seven, and your best outcome is you get those three points. But let's not forget that this year in the CFL, and we saw it with Winnipeg, you take over at your own 40 after a field goal. Mm-hmm. So that's why it wasn't hard to go to Dalton Schoen and then to the great route running by Nick Dembski. Like that was just—he made that play happen. Like he just murders the Riders. He does nothing against any other team but murders the Riders. <laughs> Trust me, I watch every Winnipeg game. Um, like even even if you could have, like, I—I'm sorry, I—I—I'm I, I, so—I'm trying to articulate how frustrating this was mm-hmm. to watch, and. Yeah. And, and and I'm saying this as a podcaster, but as a Bomber fan, inside I was jacked because I knew that...
2: Yeah, like, if the Riders, you know, roughly the five-yard line, the Bombers will say, okay, we'll gladly give you three points to gain 35 yards and still have the lead.
0: Yes, ab- absolutely. Like, yeah. a- and, and that's the thing, if you fail, if you go for it and fail... Winnipeg starts at their own five, and I can tell you they're not throwing it deep to Dalton Show. It. No, they're not it's, going. It's a
2: completely different mindset for a team coming out in the shadow of their own goalposts versus the thirty-five yard line, the forty-yard line, as it is now. Whatever the case may be, because at that point, say the say the Riders did go for it, but they didn't convert, like they did a couple of the, other times, and this was more of a manageable length, so you can understand it. Right. Um, the Bombers, yeah, they're still at their own five or their seven, whatever it was and you're thinking okay we need we just need to make sure we get a first down or two to protect this field a bit as yep. soon as you move the ball out to the 40 the bombers like well even if we go two and out we can still you know flip the field back the other way that's it so
0: and and even even when you take it out to the 40 even if they get a first down in 5 yards well then they're kicking and all of a sudden it's a 6 point game like it just 7 point game again yeah. 7 point game again. Yes, sorry. Bad at math sometimes. Um says the math guy. Yeah. <laughs> Computers do it all for me. <laughs> I've, I have the calculator right on my Apple Watch. I have the calculator that I can pull out at any time. So <laughs> but it there's not a single way to defend that decision and, no. and 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 it bothers me that people were. Like that is that is the time you're second and short. The entire playbook is open for you. You've held Winnipeg to eight yards at this point. Yeah, The boot's basically on the throat, and you just let him off. You let him yeah. off the hook.
2: Yeah, right? like, and like Craig Dickinson said in his post-game scrum after the game for some reason that you weren't going to beat Winnipeg with field goals, yet that's what he kind of tried to do. <laughs> that's exactly what he tried to do. <clears throat> I think like, it was in reference to one of the ones he went for it later, but it's like, well, you should have gone for that. First one, too. And, you know, and it just really grinds my gears more than anything when games are lost because of coaching decisions. It's one thing to get outplayed. Yes. It's another thing when players make mistakes. You know, like, stuff happens. Fine. Whatever. But when you make such an obvious coaching error, which is, like, just a decision to make, it, just, it, it stings harder. It hits harder. It just makes you think like, what is, like, you're the, you are supposed to know better. The players are emotional in the moment. They're going to, you know, they're going to have different expectations and different sort of thoughts in the moment. The coach is supposed yep. to be the level head on the sideline that sees the big picture and understands what to do. And I'm sure his players are telling him to go for it, but for some reason he didn't. And yeah. like, and this goes t- sort of to a bigger picture of what appears to be going on with Craig Dickinson right now. Mm-hmm. Because i I'm going to preface this by saying I believe that Craig Dickinson can still be a very good head coach in this league. I think he has a lot of traits and he has a lot that he can learn from, especially this year. But he seems to be getting trapped in a lot of spirals that we've seen a lot of other coaches go down when their seasons go south in a hurry. And for some reason, they just spiral out of control in a way that is also not good for their team. No, And no. you start making, you know, sort of weird decisions and bad decisions because things aren't going right. So you do something maybe you shouldn't to try and correct it. And it just it all just becomes a jumbled mess. And that was kind of one of those moments that we've seen from credit kids lately.
0: Well, and you and I basically texted each other simultaneously saying game's over. Like, that's it. Winnipeg is winning this game when he made that decision because, yeah. you know, it shows such a lack of trust in not just his offense to get that five and a half yards,
2: they didn't even need it. I think they only needed like three or four yards for a first down. They didn't even right. necessarily need the touchdown on the play. They could have also just gotten a first down and had a couple more shots at the end zone after that.
0: Which is even zanier because I, I I had forgot about that. I thought yeah. it, I, I, I mean thought of course
2: it. the whole thing started off because Cody Fajardo spiked to one in the ground in front of Keon schaefer Baker for some reason on an excusable throw as well. But as I said, players make mistakes sometimes. That happens.
0: Right. Right. And that's and that's to be expected in 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 the heat of battle. Now you could almost tell you could watch both sides of the ball just deflate there because Mm -hmm. Craig basically said, I don't think you guys can get three yards to his offense. And then he also said, I don't have enough faith in my defense to go out and stop you. If I don't get those three yards. So I think they looked disheartened. I think Mm -hmm. they looked disheartened and Winnipeg, Winnipeg this entire year outside of, God, maybe Labor Day, again, this is from a guy that's watched every Winnipeg game, takes big chunks of a game off. Yeah, like This could almost be their downfall in the playoffs, but they kind of just put it in cruise control for big parts of a game because they don't really have to, and it's like that moment there. Well, at that point there,
2: as the rider stepped off the top turnbuckle to go back to the wrestling analogy, they hit them with the RKO out of nowhere.
0: Completely out of nowhere, followed by a stone cold st- stunner and a people's novel all in one su- sequence. Yeah, and now I'm just disappointed that my kids were sick and I didn't get to go watch wrestling last night like I had planned to. So, but it it and you're right. It's it's a sign. We said this about the Elks when they lost to Saskatchewan that bad teams find a way to lose, mm-hmm. whether it's a play, whether it's discipline, you know, whatever it is. They find a way. Saskatchewan was actually quite disciplined in this game. Yep. Only six penalties. They, once again, were hanging in there with Winnipeg. Cody Fajardo wasn't good.
2: sacked once. <laughs> there was what? one sack on, I think, Mason Fine late, but it got wiped out by a penalty. So the Riders gave up zero sacks in that game.
0: That's ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, that is such an improvement op- uh, 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 on what they've done all year. Like, that's yeah, that's simply remarkable.
2: I would have to. I don't have the stat to back it up, but it feels like that's the first time all year that's happened.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, it it has to be. They're on a record-setting yeah. pace to give up. Uh, before this game, they were on a record-setting pace to give up maybe the most sacks ever. Second minus most I think expansion was... Ottawa team. Yeah, that, that was complete trash. But that's that is a good sign, though. Like, 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 like there are some
2: positive signs to this. And like we said, Brennan McGuire wrote the piece. Like, had the Riders been like bad. The last few weeks, had they, you know, just got demolished like 72 to nothing in the banjo bowl and looked lifeless. Okay. And they follow that up with sort of the, whatever that was against Edmonton. And then they had this game. I could say, okay, because there's an old saying, you don't, you know, you, you don't just jump out of a slump. You kind of dig your nope. way out of it. So that could have that had they had everything been so bad leading up to this game that they had that game. I could be like, okay, there's some signs of life here. The issue was they had those signs of life in the banjo bowl and followed it up with the shitting of the bed. Metaphorically speaking, instead of literally against the Edmonton Alex. And so,
1: and now,
2: so I am, while I would say, yes, they played well at times. And there were some positives from that game. I am unlikely to believe them at this point that it actually means anything heading into any other football game this year.
0: Now, now here again is, is the dumbest part about it. And I, and we you and I were talking about the flawed CFL simulation that says Hamilton has a better chance of yeah. making the playoffs than the riders that bedshitting against again, we will forgive them for the Banjo. Labor yep. Day was a coin toss. Yep. The Banjo bowl, all is forgiven from what we've heard from inside that room. Mm-hmm. And then it was the bedshitting against Edmonton. All, and then and then the coaching decisions against Winnipeg. And now all of a sudden, Friday went from a uh, eh.
2: You should probably Friday win too. To, you have to win.
0: You absolutely have to win that game mm-hmm. on Friday. Yeah. Like, this is this is essentially... This is like having a playoff game on your 16th game without it actually being the playoffs. Because, let's face it, Hamilton's at four wins. They've got Edmonton, Ottawa twice. Yeah, The Riders have Calgary twice, who may or may not have something to play for, depending on how BC goes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's a so no real chance... I, they,
2: even if they have nothing to play for... I feel like if there's an opportunity to knock Saskatchewan out of the playoffs, that might be enough for a team like Calgary.
0: Well, and I feel like a team like <clears throat> Calgary, especially in what's going to be an audition game for him, I feel like if you give Bo Levi the start in one of those two games, if you have nothing to play for, True. Bo Levi's going to be vintage Bo Levi. Yeah. Because he's now playing for his next contract. Yeah. He's basically playing for whatever Saskatchewan's going to pay him next year. So, um, <laughs> I, I you're right. Like, I, I don't see them... I, I think a... I, have a,
2: I have a hard time believing if they lose this football game on Friday night in Hamilton. Like I, I, I would say that if they make the playoffs, it's probably not going to be because of anything they did.
0: No, it'll no, be no, because
2: think... Hamilton failed to rise to the occasion.
0: And and they've got they've got on a platter like basically the only have... the
2: only thing that I would say is working still in their favor. Um, they of course they play Edmonton, who is still in they are still improving as a team. And now they're facing an Ottawa team that doesn't have Paul Applese as their head coach. They have a much better head coach in Bob Dice at the helm for those games. Right,
0: right. And 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 Bob Dice is going to want to again prove that he should at some point be a CFL head coach. And it's remarkable that he hasn't been. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we we got to know Bob a little bit when he was yeah. with the team. But uh, you're right. It's not. It's not. It's not. They don't have the path laid out in front of them. But uh, I don't. You lose. To, you lose to Hamilton.
2: All bets are off. It's no question Every,
0: about it. Everything's off. Like, I think if you lose to Hamilton, you're going to see some inspired football out of a Hamilton team that has looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. And for Saskatchewan, maybe this is good. Maybe it's good that, you know, the offensive line is doing their job again, They're you know, preventing sacks. They're largely healthy again at this time of year, and now you have a game that should be a playoff game essentially – against the Ticats
2: well yeah because if, like, if they yeah, win yeah. that if they win that they're essentially in like they'll have the magic number at one I believe at that point point. Right. and so they either need to A pull off a win against Calgary or B they just need Hamilton to stub their toe once in three games which seems relatively likely
0: well that's and and that's exactly it right yeah. like that's There's a there's a there's a good chance that 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 could go down and you're not all of a sudden putting all the power in in Hamilton's and oh, that's a sold out game in Hamilton. Sorry, just looking on Ticketmaster (laughs) here to see what kind of atmosphere they're playing in. And uh, yeah, there is not a lot of seats left in Hamilton. So that's going to be a
2: fired Fired traveling east has not been kind to the riders this year with losses. Uh, in touchdown Atlantic and in Montreal, so.
0: Well, and it's a Friday game. <clears throat> it's a late game, you know, kind of in terms of our time zone. We know what that does to the body clock. Is as, as you just said, you know, they've had some troubles moving going east. As many teams have troubles going west for those odd night games against BC. So, yeah, that's. But but again, we know we know how this is going to end they're going to come out they're going to look like world beaters and all of our doom and gloom is going to be over and nobody's going to listen because they'll be winning again and suddenly looking like a
2: playoff team. Yeah, I mean the one thing that hasn't happened yet and I I honestly thought it was going to happen last week is this team generally has the tendency to win that game that no one expects them to win. Yes, and they haven't had that really had that win this year yet. So because <laughs> I mean you could at the you know looking back based on the whole year, you would think maybe that BC game was, but that was after the week after Nathan Work got hurt and was done for the year, and they were trying yep. to BC was trying to figure out what the hell they were doing, et cetera, et cetera, and then they went down to a third string quarterback in that game. It's like, okay, that's not even the surprise win for the Riders of the year. They've had some yeah. their surprise yeah. losses of the year as the team they shouldn't have lost to, but they haven't had that big, wow, win yet. So I guess that's something you can hang your hat on about still if you're a fan of this team.
0: Well, and I mean that's that's what you have to. You have to hope that this is this is the miracle win, and they just make us look wrong, and somehow alternate universe chess champion evil John Fraser Curse is proven wrong because I now feel like I have Fraser Curse the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Tie Cats fans. I apologize. You're
2: good people. Wouldn't be the first time you've done it to them.
0: <laughs> Johnny Manziel.